Hello friends, Billy here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. Now, before I get into it and say the the whole, this podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid, which I totally just said, uh, disclaimer, it's, I know it's the end of September. I'm recording this on 926. You probably won't hear it till a couple days later, a few days later, but I don't know why this heat wave isn't over. It's the end of September. It needs to stop. And it's like 80 degrees in this room. I have to have a window open. So consider it production ambience. If you hear dogs barking, a kitty cat meowing that wants to be let in really, really bad so it could just ignore me and go right back outside. Let's just uh, think of that as like production ambience. That's Because... <laughs> Uh, I refuse to be uncomfortable. I'm just, I'm not going to sit here and sweat. So I'll try to mix it out the best I can. So based on the, uh, see, you hear somebody saying, stop it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's all comfort at this point. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to sit here and sweat. So what we're looking at today, we're going to do not so much traveling. We're going to do more mental traveling, right? Paranormal games. As another disclaimer, I don't recommend playing any of these, and I'll tell you why at the end. If you do so, you know, happen to play the game, some people say you'll end up summoning some kind of an entity into your home, or you'll be injured somehow, either physically or mentally, spiritually. I'm not held responsible for any harm done. And as I read the rules of these games, I'm going to intentionally omit some of them. Halloween isn't here yet, right? All the spooky decorations, movies, music has... It, it's starting... I'm starting to get into the mood. Then again, when am I not in the mood for something creepy? That's why you're here. <laughs> We're all into it. Doesn't matter what time of the year it is. But this part of the year is uh, super special. I made kind of a list of some of the games that I found on random websites, Reddit, YouTube videos, and ones that I just knew about. I want you to come with me on an adventure into madness, horror, bad decisions. <laughs> I was debating doing the Sven Gulli thing, fellow ghosties and ghouls, you know what I mean? But um, if you're old enough to remember Sven Gulli, there's these paranormal games that have been around. Some have been around for a long time. Some are inventions of the modern world. Some origins are a little murky. Nevertheless, there are games that human beings play in order to either scare themselves, speak with the long-departed, or, in some cases, to share the same space with the long-departed. Are these games real? Well, let's dive in and explore, because this one's very special and very different. I was coming up with ideas for... What should I do about strange places? And I, I had a few ideas, things that we're going to tackle later, you know. One of them being the disappearance of Ambrose Bierce, the St. James Hotel. I think it's in New Orleans. Uh, haunted Haunted Films Part 2, I definitely want to do because there's a lot of them. And then this one was suggested to me. My girlfriend suggested this one, Paranormal Games. This one's ex exceptionally difficult because... Out of all these that I'm going to list, I've always, I've stayed away from them. I've never, I think I've played Bloody Mary once, actually, when I was a kid. But I've never partaken in these games. 
And the verdict on this one's going to be quite a bit different. So <laughs> let's just analyze this like we do everything else. All right. Let's get into the meat. So the Midnight Game. I'm sure most of you horror lovers have heard of the infamous Midnight Man and his game. But it's just so damn creepy. I have to mention it. If you're not familiar with the rules and purpose of this game, well, what comes to mind when you think of the Midnight Game? Game played in the dark? What about the creepypasta? Or maybe even the video game adaptation if you've played it? While all these are valid, the Midnight Game actually has roots in ancient pagan ritual, believe it or not, as one of the old ones, that was used as a form of punishment for those who disobeyed the gods. It, it, that's true, 100%. It's an old game. The roots of it, anyway. The game itself is pretty simple, but the ritual slash summoning is complex and not for those of you who can't see something to the end and follow rules very, very closely. For those of you with a morbid curiosity, uh, this game is meant to summon the Midnight Man. So what you need, and like I said, don't try any of this crap. <laughs> I'm intentionally leaving some things out. So if you follow along with me here, just to keep you safe, if these things are true, then uh, it's not going to work if you listen to me. So what you need is candle, candle holder, matches, a wooden front door, and salt. Now that you have all your supplies, you have to have everything set up before midnight as you won't have time to go back for everything once the game has begun. So it involves writing your, what is this? I'm looking at the rules here, trying to omit things on the fly. <laughs> uh, write your name on a piece of paper, get a drop of blood on the paper. Yeah, turn off all the lights, electronics, everything. Now, once it hits 1159, you sit down, light your candle, all that stuff. And then you... It's, it's, it's really bizarre. You knock on the wooden door a certain number of times, completing the last knock as the clock hits midnight. So you got to time this perfectly. After the last knock, open your door, blow out the candle, close your door, immediately relight it, and then you start moving all over the house. You don't stop moving or else this something will get you. You do this until 3.33 a.m. Wow, that's a long time to be wandering around. It's fairly simple, or so it seems. During the course of the game, be mindful of the following, it says. Do not stay in one place for longer than a few seconds. Something will catch you. Do not taunt the Midnight Man. If your candle goes out, you're unable to relight it within about 15 seconds. There's a set of rules you got to do there, too. Don't leave your house. And follow the rules no matter what. Don't go to sleep. Don't turn on lights or electronics. I guess the candle light's the only thing allowed. You'll know when he's near. As you'll feel panic, dread, hear voices, see movement out of the corner of your eye, you hear knocks and thuds throughout the house. Long story short, don't let him catch you. Some say he'll make you hallucinate your greatest fear. Some say he'll haunt you for the rest of your life. And others say he'll rip out your organs one by one if he catches you. If you guys want to try this, there you go. <laughs> Just don't listen to me because I left things out. I found another one called One Man Hide and Seek, which I've heard about. This is another game that has deep roots in a ritual, necromancy, to be exact. In this game, you summon a spirit into the body of a doll who then plays hide-and-seek with you. Yeah, no thanks. Seems innocent enough, but think about it. If you're like me, you have a deep-set fear of dolls, mannequins, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> what is it? What do they call it? The uncanny valley, right, of hum the human image. 
Anyway, enough. Let's get into how you summon this entity. I don't like talking about dolls. And what is said, to, especially after what happened on this show, when we talk about the doll of which I will not name. Let's go into how you summon this entity and what is said to go down after you've possibly screwed it up and ruined your life. You need a doll, obviously. Scissors or something sharp. Needle. Uh, I guess hair clippings from yourself. And a bathroom. There's going to be a fair amount of work for this one. So you have to name the doll, apparently. This won't work until you've named it. You can't give it your name, apparently. Go into the bathroom, cut the doll open, remove all of the fluff and filling, restuff it with an item. Okay, so 3 a.m. There's a lot of 3 a.m.s here. Hmm. You basically do this set of rituals very specific, and you play hide-and-seek with this thing. But I'm seeing kind of a, what is this? A, I'm seeing some similarities here already. You have to say a certain phrase three times. Lots of threes here. You have to do things at you know, a certain number of times. It's, it's very exact. Pretty odd. Hmm. Use your common sense with this game, apparently. Try to ask some friends or even neighbors to keep an eye out for anything suspicious while you're playing it. Tell them a time to expect the lights to come back on, what to do if they haven't heard from you for a while, etc., etc. There's a game called Dry Bones. This game is really similar to One Man Hide and Seek, except you're summoning a demon, knowingly, instead of a wandering spirit. This game also has a few elements of the Midnight game, so, you know, candle, matches, again. The summoning process for this one is freakishly simple, <laughs> scarily simple. You turn off all the lights, light your candle, go into the bathroom or any room with a mirror at a certain time. You're kind of going a little Bloody Mary now. You're going to stare at your reflection until you feel, feel a, a presence in the mirror. Once you know there's something other than yourself in that mirror, you're going to do the dumbest thing I've ever seen in any of these games. You're going to tell the demon, I acknowledge your presence. I'm going to omit this phrase. I welcome you into my home for a game of hide and seek until I'm omitting the time. Come in now. Wow. After that last word has been spoken, you're going to grab your shit and run. Try to be as quiet as possible until you find your hiding spot. You're basically playing a real-life Doom level. You're playing uh, hide-and-seek with a demonic entity that you've summoned yourself. Uh, if you miraculously don't get caught, you go to the biggest room in your house and announce that the game has now ended, and whatever monstrosity you brought into your home is no longer welcome here and must leave. And it's supposed to say, Okay. <laughs> You'll most likely hear the demon before it leaves, so don't jump when you hear something right behind you. Huh, interesting. I suppose I should mention why anyone would play this game. If you win, the demon will have to grant you a wish. I mean, I guess that's the that's the big thing. Anything you want will be yours, material or otherwise. So, there is a grand prize at the end, I guess. The Closet Game. I heard about this one uh, in a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> most amazing top 10. I know it's funny. I just like them, okay? And it honestly made me question why anyone would want to do this one. This is pretty simple. Closet, match, something to light the match. Basically, you step into your closet with an unlit match. You say a certain phrase. You hear a demon whisper back to you. When you hear the whisper, you must light your match and step out of the closet. If you lit the match in time, you won the game. Simple. 
So what happens when you lose? Well, apparently you get pulled into hell by the closest demon. That's it. Never open up your closet in the dark again, or you risk meeting the demon you invited into your closet. So you ruined closet opening, and some morning at 4 a.m., you're going to forget to have some kind of light source. You know what I mean? Might as well just board the closet. Not unless you'd rather risk leaving the door cracked open for a demon to come out and stare at you while you're sleeping, if you're into that. The 11-mile game. This one I hadn't heard of. This is another game to get something you deeply wish for. But just like Dry Bones, the stakes are, uh, I would say, not even worth it. To do this ritual, and I emphasize the word ritual because that's what a lot of these are starting to sound like. I didn't do a whole hell of a lot of research on these games before I started because, like I said, I like to do a lot of the research while we're sitting here talking about the topic. It's cool to get natural reactions, I think. I don't want to do all the homework and then record. It's very rare I do that because I want to I want this to feel like we're discovering together, you know what I mean? To do this ritual, you need a car or a motorcycle, something you can drive. I th- <laughs> I know where this is going. And a strong wish. Let's start with how to find 11-mile road. Keep in mind this is a one-person game. To find this road, Very specific instructions. Again, things you cannot deviate from. You choose a late time when there's little to no drivers on the road. You find a back road in a certain area. Once you're in this area, drive down these roads until your intuition tells you that you found 11-mile road. You'll have this inescapable feeling that you're in the right spot. Now, why is this game so bizarre? Don't listen to music at all. Don't open doors, don't open windows, don't stop the car, don't use a phone. Wow. Do not drive faster than 30 miles an hour. This one is mainly a safety hazard for you and your car. Well, I'm glad they put... uh, (laughs) uh, You're playing something that could... I don't even know what's going to happen to you yet if you lose. All these ghastly things that happen to people. But hey, road safety. Okay, now that we've gone over the warnings, that's just silly to me. Here's what to expect now that you've begun your 11-mile drive. Now, nothing much is... Oh, okay, so this is split into miles. Okay, so it's going to... Oh, that's interesting. So it's like different levels. Okay, level one might get a little bit cold. Level two, same thing. Third mile, you'll start to see movement all around you. Don't take your eyes off the road. Keep driving. Ah, fourth mile, voices. Fifth mile, things around you start to diminish. You see a lake, bright glow of the moon. Huh. Sixth mile, the trees will return and the stars will disappear. Ignore the flickering of headlights. Whatever the radio tells you, do not attempt to turn off the radio. Keep driving. Wait a minute. I thought it said earlier not to turn on the radio at all. Let's go up here. Uh, There was something about the radio. You're going to hear my mouse clickety-clacking. Well, it said don't use phone or other device, but I guess radio is okay. All right. Where were we at? Uh, okay, fifth, sixth mile. Okay, we were. that's the one we were on. Seventh mile. Keep ignoring the voices as if they're coming from your back seat. <laughs> Eighth mile. Flickering headlights. Don't stop for anything that tries to flag you down. Ninth mile. Your vehicle may stall. Close your eyes if your vehicle stops. Don't open them for any reason until the car starts again. Tenth mile. Do not look in the mirrors. 11th mile, 
the vehicle will stall in front of a red light and ignore that too. Now continue driving further until you reach a dead end up ahead. There will be a dead end at the end. Here's where you make your wish. Don't just wish for it. Envision it in as much detail as possible. Imagine it's with you now. If you wish for something small enough to fit in your pocket, check. If you wish for something bigger, check your back seat or your trunk. <laughs> At that point, would you want to get out of the car? If you wish for something that isn't material, go back home and wait. It'll come to you very soon. But what's the price? Well, if you can live with the major PTSD and whatever else follows you from your journey, which can, apparently in this game, it can stick with you if it wants to. That's great. You can live happily with your newly gained wish, or you can gladly go down 11-mile road again to try to... I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Banish whatever came with you or whatever. But you also run the risk of something else attaching to you too. So there you go. 11 mile road. Now, arguably the most famous paranormal game. The one that we can't talk about paranormal games without talking about this one. Bloody Mary. Before you start yelling at me in the comments about how the game is bogus and not scary at all, hear me out here. You've probably been playing it wrong the whole damn time anyway. So put away your meat cleavers, pitchforks, and torches, okay? Bloody Mary has become popular amongst young people due to shows... Uh, I mean, it's almost antiquity at this point, so damn old. Supernatural, awesome episode, by the way. I love the blurry Bloody Mary episode. Movies, stories throughout modern culture. But originally, Bloody Mary wasn't summoned for the purpose of eye-gouging or candy-manish bloody reasons. She was summoned for the purpose of showing a woman her future. The woman could do a candlelit ritual, and if executed correctly, she would either catch a glimpse of her future husband's face, so yeah, so she'll be able to see what her future husband looks like, or she would see a skull representing the Grim Reaper, indicating she would die before she gets married. More or less horrifying and way more depressing than today's version, but that's how it was. Since I know this is what a lot of you are waiting for me to talk about, <laughs> you need a mirror. Candles, matches, the normal stuff at this point. I guess the candle colors are for protection. You need certain colors, which we all know that there are colored candles by certain belief systems and religious groups that they use for magical protection. Same thing. There's colors for increasing awareness and intuition. There's, quote-unquote, opening the third eye colors. If you're not spiritual like this, then the candle color isn't important. But for those of you who are, you can switch out colors, I guess. But it's recommended having a certain color candle to protect and absorb negativity. Or just a simple white candle to protect is something I think you should have regardless of your spirituality. Is what... Uh, candles, do they hold certain powers? That, that that's that's another discussion for another time. But anyway, I digress. To play Bloody Mary, turn off all the lights. Again, this has to be done at a certain time, according to the original game and how it was played, going all the way back. Yes, it has to be done at a certain time. Arrange all but one of your candles around your mirror on the sides of the mirror. The last candle you're going to hold during the ritual. Light all the candles, including the ones that you're holding. Bloody Mary has said, not three times, not three, it's not three, amazingly. It's, uh, it took a long time to research this one, to find out how the actual original game was played. This is the one where I had to do a lot of homework before I started. 
It's not three, surprisingly, but you do have to say it a certain number of times. That has kind of been lost to history, including a couple of other very specific things, which I'm kind of glad <laughs> that certain elements were. It, it, it was a bitch researching how this original game was played. You try and visualize the entity as you chant her name. Open your eyes. You'll see her form in the mirror. Only catch a glimpse of a shadowy figure before she either tells you what you need to know or takes you away. Those who have seen her and survived her encounter have described her as a rotting skeletal figure with nothing more than bloody bones, long sharp nails, rotting flesh, and clumps of matted bloody hair. Some say she's eyeless. Others say she wears the eyes of her past victims. Still others say she'll drag you into the mirror to where you'll be in some ghastly, horrible existence forever. Now for the more tame historical version of Bloody Mary. We all know that one, so I'm not going to go over those rules. So those are paranormal games. Uh, what are the other ones, right? Very, very famous ones. The Ouija board, which I was amazed at one point. I saw Ouija... Sorry, my chair squeaked. <laughs> I have seen Ouija boards sold in Walmart before. Toy stores. They're selling this game as a, as a toy. Ouija board goes back a long ways, boy. Some of my family members that I know and trust have very strange stories about Ouija boards. It was always a thing in my family. We weren't like... <laughs> Cassie's my girlfriend's dad. is a Catholic. But if I could use one of Jim Gaffigan's jokes, this guy is a major Catholic, a really serious Catholic. I call him a Shiite Catholic. <laughs> like I said, that, that's, a, that's a Jim Gaffigan. That doesn't belong to me. He is a Shiite Catholic, man. And every quote-unquote Shiite Catholic <laughs> that I've seen is so aware of these things. And is adamant that even movies like The Exorcist shouldn't be watched. Like you shouldn't even see a depiction of somebody using a Ouija board. That that's enough. My family was always raised to stay away from that kind of stuff. Were we Shiite Catholics? No. We were all, you know, Southern Baptist raised Christians. And not, you know, super crazy with that either. We were just your average common garden variety Christians, you know. But we were always told to stay away from that. We talked about the elevator game. You know, we'll, we'll get to the elevator game. But as far as Ouija boards, you know, that's having yourself or a group of people trying to communicate with a specific person or somebody that you envision is going to help you with a certain problem or give you advice from the spiritual realm, right? Spirits can travel all over the place, walls, locks, vaults, and they, it means nothing to them. So they can go check on these things and verify certain things for you and tell you about events that are happening that you can't see. That's the gist of it. But the argument with Ouija boards is that they open doors. They open windows. Your entity that you want may come through, but something else might shove its way through. Right. Something might shove its way past the entity that you want and shut the door behind it. It's like you're stuck in the spiritual realm, right? And all of a sudden a window opens to the living world. How, what kind of spirits and how many are going to be pushing, shoving to get through that door? That's how I imagine it. Is it true? Well, 
We'll get to that at the end. I mentioned the elevator game on this podcast when we talked about the Elisa Lamb case, a case that was so dense and so packed and so much there, so much to examine that we had to split it into two parts. It's a massive one. The death of Elisa Lamb, which I came to conclusions on that one. So listen to it if you want to see what my take on the Elisa Lamb thing is. But it was rumored that she had been playing another paranormal game called the Elevator Game, which at this point we should all know <laughs> the gist of it. You get in an elevator that has a certain number of floors, you hit a certain number of buttons in a specific order, and there are rules you have to follow during this process. There's checks to make sure that the ritual is working. There are reality checks. There are ways out. And it's supposed to take you to another realm that's completely empty aside from you. And I think there's another entity that inhabits that place as well. But it's a dimension that coexists with ours that's very similar to ours, that's completely unpopulated aside from you. And there is a way to get out. There are entities in this place that can follow you around. That's the gist of it. And a lot of people genuinely believe that Eliza Lamb had played this elevator game. And that's what led to her accessing a completely inaccessible area. That's where, you know, the oddness comes from. Ending up in a place that little old Eliza Lamb would never be able to end up in. Listen to the episode <laughs> if you want more of my take on it. It's an interesting episode. It was so dense we had to make two. But it's awesome. It's one of my favorite episodes on this podcast. And judging by uh, the analytics, one of your favorites too. But all these paranormal games, they, I wouldn't necessarily call them games. Because let's, let's really, let's be realistic here. As a church bell tolls outside on a Monday completely creeping me out. <laughs> what a perfect time for that to happen. That just gave me a chill. I didn't read the rules, God, okay? I didn't read all of them. I left stuff out, so it didn't work. Maybe they're testing their bell out or something. I don't know. <laughs> that was creepy. But uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time something creepy happened on this show. But I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> there is a certain doll that we talked about on the show, I'm not going to say its name, that weird stuff started happening, and I remember having to send apology letters to an inanimate object and call a museum where said inanimate object is stored so I can apologize to an inanimate object for something that I said. It was weird. And I am convinced that that happened. Computer crashed. Things wouldn't work. I mean, it, it was bizarre. And I would record nothing but static as soon as the apology letters were put in the mail and all that, not even sent there, like put in the mail, things start working. Anyway, I am convinced that that one occurred. Weird. That's the only really paranormal thing I think that's happened on this show, just talking about it. I don't like talking about it at all. That's one I won't stay away from. Paranormal, uh, will stay away from. Paranormal games, are they the same way? Listen, I think you would be foolish to tell yourself that rituals... Magical rituals, you're probably going to hear that chime outside, uh, don't exist. You would be a fool to say that they don't. I said this in a past broadcast that the Bible, the reason why I think these things are real is because the Bible forbids them. But I didn't elaborate on that. I thought I had. 
But I just simply said, well, if God says to stay away from this stuff, then it's obviously real, right? And I should have elaborated further. Because sometimes you tell your kids that, you know, don't touch my muffins. The muffins that I bought, don't touch them because uh, they're muffins just for adults and you'll get hair on your beard. No, you don't want any of this ice cream. It's too spicy. You know, you tell your kids that, and I'm sure God has certain things like that that he does for us. But uh, that's why I should have elaborated. Now, I'm not knocking any belief systems. I'm not knocking anybody. I love you all. I don't care what faith system you belong to or who you are, what color you are, LGBTQ+, whatever. I, I don't care. I love you all. And that's my freaking job as a Christian. Any Christian who judges others needs to go back and do some more studying because they ain't doing their job. I love you all. My job is to be an example and not to judge others. And I'm a lousy example at that. With that said, I'm just telling you what my faith system says, what its doctrine states, okay? That magical powers, precognition, doing it readings for people and doing a soothsayer's oracles as they're described as in, in the book, their power comes from a place. So the Bible does acknowledge that this power does exist. It comes from a certain source that we as Christians need to stay the hell away from. So it mentions the source, where it comes from, and it acknowledges its existence. I should have elaborated on that. I just didn't want to cause any undue I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm not trying to be all PC and stuff. You guys know that. Especially if you listen to my other podcast, No Disclosure. That's not what I'm about. I don't care. I grew up in a different world where we didn't pussyfoot around and walk on eggshells with everybody. But if I can avoid, you know, hurting somebody's feelings, I will. And this is touchy for people. This is why I stay away from this. So with that said, with psychic powers and stuff, which we've proven on this show are real curses, real. We have made a, in my opinion, open open and shut case for it. We've proved it. With that said, within these faith systems, within these belief systems, there are rituals. It was acknowledged. What I believe to be truth. It was said in there. Look, I might talk about this on the podcast someday. But, and again, this is firsthand account stuff, so I don't expect you to believe me. <laughs> I would still like to tell my story one day, much like the Lot 150 episode. I'll do personal things, too. Something happened to me before I was born, okay? And this event was quite frightening for my parents. I've had two psychic readings in my adult life. I One was before I was even a Christian, and the other one was just... I'm ashamed of it, but I did it, okay? And both times, both times, both psychics said something so oddly specific that it could have only applied to somebody in my extremely rare situation. It was uncanny. It was frightening. So much so that I never went to a psychic again. And I never will. But these rituals do have to have some merit. Can we prove any of these paranormal games are real? No. But they are oddly ritualistic. And they follow along with a lot of the real rituals that people use. Can you summon a demon? Can you summon an entity? Can you summon this? Can you summon a ghost? Is necromancy real? I don't know. 
we can't prove that. Maybe once we get to a later episode, we we can. But the as far as the whole summoning thing, do demons exist? Absolutely. Do ghosts exist? Absolutely. The ghost thing we've proven. The demon thing. That's something I am convinced of. Maybe, like I said, maybe we'll hit an episode later to where we can prove that as well. So there have to be ways to converse with them, right? To be in their presence somehow. These are real, living, in a sense. <laughs> let's, say, let's say existing beings in one plane of existence or another, whether they be ghost or demonic. And there have to be ways to converse with them, to exist in the same space together, to get something from them or give something from them. There's got to be ways. Do paranormal games derive from that? I think it's, I think it's reasonable to say perhaps the spirit boards, stuff like that. Do these tap into things? Do they open doors? Do they open windows? Like I said, I can't absolutely prove that these things are real, but this comes down to two things. This, this is why I say it's going to be a bit of a different episode this time. This comes down to two things, common sense and your faith system. I don't play these games, nor will I ever, because it's common fucking sense. Do these things exist? Yes. And I don't care who you are. Agnostics, atheists, I love you too. I love you all. But man, I've seen multiple people on their way out. Even the most diehard atheist, that old saying that there's no atheist in a foxhole is absolutely true. I've never seen one. I've never seen anybody tied to that agnostic belief system or atheist belief system on their deathbed. It doesn't happen. There's this thing that's ingrained in every human being that feels it, that knows it. Almost like trying to recall a memory that your brain has wiped out, right? You've deleted it off the hard drive, but traces remain. I think every human being has that in them. It's almost like recalling somewhere you've, you've already been. The spiritual world, these things do exist. But it's just common sense. Even if it didn't exist, are you going to play with that? Are you going to try? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you going to take that risk? A lot of us are young sometimes. We're crazy. We're teens and all that. I did the Bloody Mary thing. Apparently, looking at the rules, I didn't do it right. That's why it didn't work. There's, we're curious, yeah. Sometimes that curiosity will get the better of us. But it comes down to common sense. Do these games exist? What's the verdict? I don't know. Inconclusive. We can't disprove it. Because you do see stories everywhere. There are a couple in my own family. One Ouija board story that <laughs> made it to where I have avoided those things my whole life. One time my sister brought home a Ouija board. My dad let her get it. And this was way after I was grown. <laughs> this is sister from dad's second marriage. And I, I told my dad, I was like, why did you let her get that? Dude, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? And he said, oh, come on, those things are just toys. And I was like, well, it wasn't when I was little. I'm like, tell you what, uh, uh, I'm not coming over until you get rid of that thing. And he goes, oh, you're serious. I was like, yes, take it out back and burn it. Or she has to gift it to somebody. I know how this works. I will not come back here until that thing is gone. And I even told my sister, man, those things are dangerous. Did I truly believe that they're dangerous? Did I have proof? No, but I have common sense. 
There's just some things in existence you don't play with. We've proven the existence of a lot of things on this podcast. We've debunked a lot too. (laughs) But the small percentage of things that we have proven, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Just like the real world itself, there are things that lurk in the dark. There are things that wait. There are things that don't have the best intentions. Right? But we're at an advantage with those things, I think. Those things have to be invited in. So don't invite them. Don't bring them in. Don't open that door. Don't open that window. It's just common sense. I'm not going to play any of these games to verify their authenticity. (laughs) I'm not. No way. Not because I think they're real. I think half of these are bullshit, honestly. Uh, That's just my opinion. But I may be wrong. Not because I think that these things are guaranteed real. It's just because it goes... It just goes into that common sense thing. What are we going to deem this one as? Requires further study, obviously. But... Where does that feeling come from? That's the paranormal thing. I think aside from these games, what is really paranormal about this? Why did I choose this to talk about on the podcast? What are we looking at here that is truly, you know, verifiably paranormal about this? I think it's that sense of intuition. That's what's freaky to me. Is those of us who aren't going to play with that. Walking away when they see some of these rituals starting or someone has a Ouija board or whatever, refusing to even touch the thing. Bye, I'm out of here. Nope. You know what I mean? Or the people that start playing the games and somebody backs out. Or even the one with the biggest balls who takes it to the end is a blubbering mess by the end of it. Did they see anything? No. But there's this part inside the human soul that just kind of knows that something is not right here. It was the same feeling I described when I was outside of Roswell, New Mexico. You know, when uh, <laughs> events lead to have led to events, I'm not going to tell you how, and I ended up in that field at three in the morning. I've never felt it that strong before. This place is not right. Don't do this. So paranormal games requires further study, obviously, but I think it's worth talking about. I think it's interesting. What do you think about the paranormal games? Let's get some listener engagement on this one. I want to hear your stories. Have you ever played any of these? Have you played anything similar to them? And if so, what happened? Do you think they're real? Do you have any weird stories yourself? I certainly do. Uh, Not me personally, but my family does. Share them with me. Let me know. Message me on whatever app you're listening to this on. All of my information is there. Go to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links and contact links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, where you can get everything from bonus episodes, giveaways at certain tiers. I'm making a new album right now. Uh, Takes off the floor, deleted stuff. It's all there. And little as a dollar a month, man, go check it out. Patrons, shout out to them, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. This show would not exist if it wasn't for you guys. Seriously. Thank you for listening. And that is it. We will see you next week, okay? Will we ever run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day we'll visit yours.
The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.